So I traded platinum futures maybe, and maybe gold futures. And my $2,000 became, and I'll never forget this number as long as I live, became $268 in about six months, as I recall. You know, watching $1,700 basically evaporate before your very eyes. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Women Building Wealth Membership Group, the complete proven step-by-step course to guide women from novice to confident investor. To learn more, go to womenbuildingwealth.net. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Dan Ferris. Dan, are you ready to rock? Yes, sir. Let's go. Let's do it. Dan is the editor of Extreme Value, a monthly investment advisory that focuses on great businesses traded at steep discounts. Let me repeat that. Great businesses traded at steep discounts. I love that. Dan joined Stansbury Research in 2000 and became editor of Extreme Value in 2002. Since then, he's earned a loyal following and an impressive track record. Dan counts more than 20 major financial firms and well-known fund managers as subscribers. Dan has appeared on Money with Melissa Francis, The Willis Report on Fox Business News, as well as The Street with Paul Bagnell on Business News Network. He has also been featured in Bearings, The Value Investing Letter, and numerous financial radio programs around the country. Dan also hosts Stansberry Investment Hour, a weekly podcast with a mission to help its listeners become better investors. Has interviewed folks like Michael Mobison, Mark Kohides, and Albert Laszlo Barabasi. And I, I was just joking with Dan, and I think he picks those names just to give me a tongue twister. So Dan, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Well, I did not start out uh, headed for a career in finance. So I studied music. I, I was a classical guitar performance major in college. I made my way to this by a very sort of circuitous pathway, which involved, among other things, my worst investment ever, and one or two that worked out well. And just the desire to learn everything I could about investing and be a good investor and then communicate that to other people, sort of, they all came together eventually. And I had an opportunity to do this and I took it and, I, and I've been, been here ever since. Hmm. And one question is, uh, do you play guitar at all nowadays or you, you offer that? No, as a matter of fact, I do. I have my guitar with me. I'm traveling and I have my guitar here in the hotel room and I practiced yesterday and today and I practice every day and uh, I still enjoy it. I love it. I haven't performed a whole lot in the last several years, but I'm trying to get back into it and I'm going to perform at the VIP reception at the annual Stansberry Conference in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. That's cool. That's very cool. I think my skills in guitar is a little bit like uh, El Cabong. <laughs> El Cabong. I haven't heard that in quite a while. <laughs> for you kids out there, look it up on YouTube. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. I think my circumstances leading up to it are pretty typical, actually. I was a young guy. I, here I had this music degree and I was actually waiting tables 
and sharing an apartment with another waiter. And I couldn't even afford a car at the time. Um, but I did like to read about things, including finance, just enough. You know, I had that sophomoric bit of knowledge that made me a complete fool, a complete naive fool, ready to make a big mistake. So I got this bit of junk mail in the mail, and it was for a program to trade commodity futures. And it was, it was a pretty famous thing that had been mailed around back in those days. And oddly enough, the guy was based in, uh, his name was Ken Roberts, and he was based in Grants Pass, Oregon. I wound up moving to Oregon about a 20-minute drive away from there uh, some years later. And I'm still in the, I still live in the Pacific Northwest, but no longer live in Oregon, oddly enough. And so this trading program, of course, made all these big, sexy promises about all the money you could make and how easy it was, how horribly easy it was, you know. And it's funny to think what I know now, decades later, it's funny to think of anyone saying futures trading is easy because that is the dumbest thing you could ever say about futures trading. So, you know, he made it all seem very easy. And he had these brokers listed in the material once you bought his, uh, his and, and I opened an account. I had saved a grand total. All the money I had in the world at that time was $5,000. And I split it uh, fairly evenly. I put, um, I put, well, I put $2,000 into the futures trading account. And with 2,800 of that, I bought a brand new handmade classical guitar, which I still have with me, which sits inches away from me here in my hotel room. Now that's an investment. Yep. It's, it's a really nice guitar, and, it, and if you play a really fine guitar, it, gets, it sounds better and better over time. So it's sounding great, and that investment worked out, but uh, the futures trading did not. Um, and I, at the time, just to show you how foolish and stupid I was, I was trading, the, the thing I wanted to trade was TED spreads. Difference basically between three-month treasury bills and, and three-month LIBOR. London interbank offered rate. So TED is a, an acronym for Treasury Euro Dollar, dollars deposited in European bank. Now, I just told you more about TED spreads than I knew at the time. I knew nothing. You know, I had heard somebody say that they go up when interest rates are moving in a particular way or something. And, and, the, and somebody told me, well, interest rates are going to go down, I think it was at the time. So you should, you know, you should buy these TED spreads. You know, the, the long story short on it, I also, uh, Andrew, as I remember, I also I traded platinum futures maybe and maybe gold futures. And my $2,000 became, and I'll never forget this number as long as I live, became $268 in about six months, as I recall. And the whole thing was just, you know, watching $1,700 basically evaporate before your very eyes when you really don't have, you know, I'd spent the rest on a guitar. So that was all the money I had in the world at, at that moment. So you um, were singing the blues on your guitar every night. Absolutely. There was a lot of blues being played from that point on. Uh, and of course, in retrospect, it's really, I can laugh at it and see that it was foolish and stupid. But at the time I thought, well, you know, this happens and we, we sophisticated financial trader people, we have to put up with this sort of thing. Uh, you know, it took me some years just to gain enough maturity and insight to realize I'd been really, really foolish and really naive. Mm. Uh, and that was, 
that was my worst ever, just on a number of levels. I mean, right. the return obviously was extremely negative. How did you end up exiting that? I mean, like there came a point where you're like, okay, this is the end. I exited because I didn't have enough to make the margin on another futures trade. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I called the guy up. I said, I can't really do anything with $268. Can I, he said, and I'll never forget these words. And he said, no, Dan, you're tapped out. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, I was tapped out and, and I got my check for $268 and went on my merry way. I'm, I'm picturing that in two ways, you know, like a tap, being out of water and I'm picturing you on a wrestling mat where you go, okay, uh, I'm tapping myself out. <laughs> yep. And I too had both images as soon as I just said it to you, you know, empty uh, and exhausted and beaten and I'm out of here. Got it. So, well, let, so what lessons did you learn from that? Well, I learned that you can't be a naive fool. These things are extremely complex and it's extremely difficult. It's difficult, it's really difficult to make money in futures. Uh, it's difficult to make money in stocks. I think it's less difficult in certain kinds of bonds, but these days, you know, the bond market is a little crazy. So I won't say that, I won't say it's easy to make money in any financial instrument, no matter what you tell me it is. I just, I became, I've become, you know, as skeptical and I hope, I wanna say wise, but you know, I don't wanna claim that I'm a wise person because it just sounds too, uh, you know, self-congratulatory, but I, I would say, I would like to think I'm at least wise enough, um, you know, not to be kind of just sort of bamboozled and, you know, easily fooled into thinking that I can make a whole lot of money real fast doing something um, in financial markets. Um, that, that's really the big lesson for me was, got it. It yep. was the end of my naivete, I think. <laughs> mm, mm. There's a couple of things that it brings up with me. I mean, one of the things that's happening around Asia certainly is the number of people that come to me and say, I'm starting to trade futures. I'm starting to trade foreign exchange. You know, I'm starting to trade, you know, I've got this program. I'm learning from these guys. And the, the amazing thing about it is that, you know, I mean, I, I would say with a PhD in finance, I could consider myself one of the leading, you know, minds in that area. I've studied it and worked in it so long. And those areas terrify me. As they should. And then I listen to someone who knows nothing say, yeah, starting to learn Forex, trading in Forex. I'm thinking, Ugh. do you realize you're trading against the biggest banks in the world? You're yeah. trading against the government's balance sheet. You're trading against polit political movements, you know, like how can you possibly have an advantage here? But, you know, exactly. I'm telling you, when people are in, the, in that zone of excitement, it's hard to convince them otherwise. So, uh, yeah, that's the, the thing that um, I, I take away first is that uh, investing is complex. And if you go into those areas, you make it much more complex. And I think that my thinking in my life is that, you know, the key really is how do we bring simplicity and how do we reduce risk, which this whole show is about. I will claim you to be wise because you have learned from that, you know, about risk, about simplicity, but also you've been wise enough to share that with us. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, but also when, we, when you talk about extreme value and you talk about the stock market, how... You know, how complex is that versus, let's say, futures and foreign exchange and those types of things? 
how do you look at those differently? Okay, so foreign exchange, I think you nailed it. I mean, most people have no business getting anywhere near it unless they're you know, working for one of those big operators you mentioned. So that's, you know, for, for the average man on the street, that's just a scam. Somebody's selling you a, a, a bill of goods that they say they're going to teach you to do it. Um, futures, you know, people can learn to do it, but it's really hard and it, and it takes a long time and you better learn it from somebody who's already done it really well for a while. And it's, a, it, you know, it's a derivative. You're not buying and selling the underlying, you're buying and selling the future of the underlying. You're not buying wheat, you're buying wheat futures, or you're not buying gold bars, you're buying gold futures. And people don't quite, certainly a naive young fool like myself didn't have any idea what that meant. And then you learn how how much more difficult that makes things. And so that's what, that's why people like you and I say, Oh boy, that terrifies me. And that, that's um, so where you learn the, you learn that word poof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything can just disappear. It certainly can. That's right. 2000 to 268 in six months. Poof. The stock market, on the other hand, certainly you are not truly buying and selling whole businesses. You are not doing mergers and acquisitions. However, you are buying and selling fractional interests in a real business. So I think you're a little, you're closer to the, to the real underlying asset than in those other markets. Because you're, you know, it's not forwards, not currency forwards, it's not futures. You're buying and selling a claim on assets and earnings of a corporation. Got it. So, Got it. So I, yeah. So, and, and you can also, um, you can do quite a bit of work and become, I think for most people, this, this could be all, this is just a guess, but just based on my own experience, I would say most people would do better devoting their time to learning about business. What's a good business? What, how do you read financials? You know, what are, what are these three financials, this balance sheet, income statement, cash flow statement? What does this all mean? You can find those things out a lot better then you can get a bead on the futures price of gold. You know, it's just, those things are so hard to fathom and the techniques for doing them with less risk are difficult to master. You know, it's just hard to take the risk out of futures. It is. And for most people, just not worth it. The whole exercise is not worth going anywhere near it. Stock market is hard enough. A lot of people really have no business buying and selling stocks for their own account. I think people can learn to do that. I think they can. Got takes it. time, takes work, but they can learn to do it. You've developed your own methodology, your own thinking. You have a method through your extreme value concept. I've got guys that I've talked to that they're about values, nothing. I'm, I'm just interested in growth and all that. I'm just curious, you know, for our listeners out there who don't know much about you or what is extreme value, what would be the, you know, how would you explain kind of what your style is or what's the benefit of your style? I would say that it's based on the, one, of the, one of the key things uh, that I would tell anybody to do is to read chapter, go straight to chapter 20 of The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. And there's a really, there you go, it's right on your bookshelf. <laughs> there's a really great bit right at the end. And it's almost like a throwaway. He just has these little four business principles. And the first one is really super important. And I think that's like the cornerstone of my style, which is basically know your business. That's the principle. Know your business. In other words, if you're really going to be an investor, investing in stocks and bonds for your own account, 
What would you do if instead of doing that, your business were manufacturing bicycles? Well, you'd learn everything you needed to know to make good bicycles at a decent cost, and you'd find a market to sell them in. You'd do a lot of work before you made one bicycle. You know, before you got the capital and, and actually tried to build a plant and make bicycles, you'd do a lot of work. Andrew, investing in stocks and bonds is the exact same way. There's a lot to learn before you put one penny of capital, one penny. And I think I figured out something that's really, really important for people. And I'm, uh, I'm kind of a zealot about this. I think the skill of saving, the skill of saving money, I think mastering that, it's like lifting weights. It, it, it exercises a muscle that becomes so useful to you even in the most advanced st later stages of your career as an investor, it teaches you the discipline of not doing something, of spending, of not spending money that you are going to put to work later in the future. And that discipline, boy, if I'd had that back when I was doing that futures trading, I would have looked at it and said, you know something? I worked hard for this money. I'm going to be careful with it. This is dangerous. I'm not going to do it. I often emphasize the value of negative advice in my letter. And that's saving money. That's the ultimate negative advice. Don't spend money, right? And it just, it hit me one day that this is like the, the cornerstone master skill for investors. And once you nail that down, you have a kind of discipline and insight on what it takes to accumulate capital, and what it means to accumulate capital that will serve you extremely well when it comes to allocating capital to other people's businesses, which is what you're doing in the stock market. So Beautiful. that for me is really an important point. Um, and I would say, you know, learn your business, know your business, master the art of saving. And those two things, they will, they will work together for you. And, and you, can, you can start even from a relatively advanced age and study and learn and master those skills and become a good investor. I'm convinced of it. I'm picturing you in a meditative pose and I'm going to put a little um, tagline under it in my mind that says discipline to do nothing. <laughs> excellent. That's yeah. excellent. That, that's absolutely it. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's very, very valuable. So now, based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take that guy, Joe, is just about to do what you did to avoid suffering the same fate. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you, you never, ever, ever need to be in a hurry as an investor. Everybody has this idea. You need to get in. You're constantly being told. And you're constantly being sold by brokers and newsletter writers, frankly, and other people. And you're constantly being told, you got to get in. You got to get in. You got to get in. You never do. You never do. You always have to take your time and make a good decision. Ultimately, you are putting capital at risk. You have to allocate at some point. But you, you, have, yep. you never need to be in a hurry. Love that. So that, that's what I would say. Stop, 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 stop. never be in a hurry. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Oh, my number one goal as an investor and as the editor of Extreme Value for the next 12 months, I believe that as we talk, we are about one week into a massive shift in the market. 
I believe that um, the cheapest stocks in the market have finally started to perform and that the most expensive stocks in the market have finally started uh, underperforming. So I think that massive shift took place starting, you know, in the first week or really second week of, of September. And I think it's going to continue this time. Now you can say, well, we've had false starts before. I think it's real this time because we have such a, saw a massive momentum shift in these two areas, the cheapest stocks and the most expensive on September 9th. It was the biggest shift since 2009. Every single day since 2009, if you measure the, you know, the price and the volume of the cheapest stocks versus the most expensive, it was never as dramatic as it was on September 9th. And I really, I've been waiting for this moment and predicting it for a couple of years. Eventually the cycle is going to turn and I think it turned. So over the next 12 months, my chief research officer, Mike Barrett, and I have a lot of work to do. We've been focusing on the higher quality businesses for several years now. And we're going to have to go back to the original roots of extreme value that, that we started looking at in 2002 when we started the publication. And we're going to have to go back to looking for those more Graham and Dodd traditional value plays because now is the time to do it. So that's what my next 12 months are really going to be about. That's exciting. Well, yeah. listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, go to myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Dan, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yes. Read chapter 20 of The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. I read it every month still. Do it. Just do it. Beautiful advice. Beautiful advice. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth, fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.